Nearly half of the 2 million people incarcerated in the United States are parents of kids who are under the age of 18, which means that on any given day, 2.7 million children have a parent serving time in prison or jail. We'll get more stats from my guests as across this nation there are a host of kids and families involved in the juvenile justice system who do not have a voice, hence the Delta Project, existing to break the generational cycle of incarceration by reconnecting youth of color and their families to community relationships through mentorship, coaching, and storytelling. So here we go. The Delta Project does work locally. So we talk about it and more. Those in the House to do that using an evidence-based curriculum developed by Cole Williams called Son to a Father. Students learn parenting skills and more. Enough from me. Let's talk about it. The Delta Project in the House. Cole Williams. Good morning to you, Cole. Good morning, Shelley. How are you? I'm doing fine. Joel Van Kuyken. Good morning to you. Good morning, Shelley. It's great to be here. Dewan Mansfield. Make sure we say junior, right? Junior. <laughs> Dewan, thank you for you. Let's start with you, if I may, Dewan, on how you are involved. Yes, ma'am. So uh, I was locked up in October when I met Mr. Cole, and um, he found out I had a son a little bit after I met him, and we just got to doing work. So uh, I say... I think it was, I'm not sure when it was, but we started to talk and he uh, and he offered me, you know, opportunities so I could work with him on the outside. And that's really what, that's really what got me and him together, uh, Miss, me and Mr. Cole. Hmm. And now we're working together now, so. Now you're both on the radio. That's what's really exciting. <laughs> yeah. Cole, would you uh, talk a little bit about you? Yeah, so I'm Cole Williams. I am one of the co-founders of the Delta Project. Um, and, you know, the Delta Project was really centered around the conversation that I had inside the Juvenile Detention Center here in Grand Rapids. And I've been working at the detention center probably since 2014. Um, and I work primarily with young men, um, young men of, of color who reside and um, are stakeholders in our community. And I wanted to help create a voice. Um, and so a young man in my class asked me a really important question. And that question was, how do I become something I don't see? And so I think that that's a universal question, but it was a question that I was left with in 2017 and really had to find a way to answer that question. And so, of course, my partner, Joel, here, I went back to the drawing board and I said, hey, here's this amazing question. How do I help solve this answer um, and give young men who talk about seeing men of color, how do I make sure they see them? And so we've been on that journey ever since. Thank you for that. You're up, if you would, Joel, expand on that. Yeah, so Cole and I served on a nonprofit board together, and that's how we first interacted. And when Cole came to me with that question, um, I was kind of taken aback as well because it's such a profound statement and question. We met for coffee, um, and Cole wanted to create kind of a tabletop book that featured, you know, all the men in our community, uh, brown and black men doing amazing things. And I'm like, that's a good idea, Cole, but this is much bigger than that. This is a movement. And I was able to partner with Guerrilla Productions and bring in Eric Johnson, another co-founder of the Delta Project, who we think of as our creative director. And we were able to go start going into the detention center on Fridays and start teaching students video production and teaching one of the students how to conduct an interview. Mm -hmm. A week later, we would bring in someone from the community that they wouldn't have the opportunity to see We'd sit them down across from each other, and they would have a conversation. Now, we have a special box with two red cameras in it and mirrors so that you can look. You're looking right into the camera, 
but you're seeing the reflection of the person sitting across from you. Hmm. So the conversation became very vibrant. There are many aha moments. And we did that for a number, for, throughout 2019, uh, we incorporated, um, we got our 501c3 in March of 2020, mm -hmm. and we all know what happened in March of 2020. Here we are, June of 2022, uh, and things are budding. Cole, would you spend time talking a bit about parents and incarceration, uh, either add to some statistics or some reality checks here? Yeah, so one of the things that I think is really important when I begin to unpack what's happening to young people in the juvenile justice system is right now there isn't a lot of data collected when we talk about young people entering into the system as it relates to them being parents, specifically boys um, who enter the ju juvenile justice system. So for my experience and understanding across the board, I've got young men who enter into my space who are cross-system involved. So they're involved in the foster care systems, they're involved in our JJ system, they're also involved in our mental health systems, but nowhere in these systems are systems having conversations around collecting data of where these young men are and where their children are. And so what I started doing in my classrooms is asking young men if they're fathers. Um, and when I started asking the question, you know, again, I started getting answers and I found out that there were a lot of young men that were 18 and under who were fathers and they weren't receiving any type of services at all. And many of these young men were seeing their children for the first time when their children and the mothers of their children were showing up in family court. And so I thought to myself, if we really want to talk about children and we want to talk about the health and wellness of children, we first have to begin to talk about what's happening to fathers. And if fathers are being sent away to residential treatment facilities and programs for well over 90 days to a year, then that means there, there are children and mothers and families who don't have access to them. And then when we talk about the recidivism rate of fathers who find themselves becoming dads, um, as starting off as boys in the JJ system, entering and then graduating into the county jail and then from the county jail to prison, now I'm noticing that boys are becoming fathers and their sons are also becoming incarcerated as well. And so now we have the generational cycle of fathers of color being incarcerated at such a rapid rate that children and families don't have access to men. And so that's why this work is so important um, is because one of the things we have to do a better job is making sure that we are connecting to the voices of these young men and making sure that they are getting the services that they need just like mothers so that children thrive across the board. Thank you for that. All right, Dewan, uh, if you can expand and share a bit more of your story as a young dad and, and how the Delta Project has helped. Yeah, my name is uh, Dewan Mansfield again, and uh, I found out I was a dad at age, or I found out I was going to be a dad at age 16, and um, I, got, I got locked up a couple months before my son uh, was born, and, um, you know, that just that just motivated me to to really do the right thing for my son and and work with new people so I can, you know, uh, expand my opportunities and with different things like that. So, What's something you've done with Cole? Um, something I did with Cole so far is um, we just had a, a panel, a young fatherhood panel, um, was it like a few weeks ago. Yeah, when we... Uh, and me and a few other young fathers, uh, we went in front of a panel and basically just uh, expressed what we were going through and what we think needed to change uh, as being fathers. Because I know there's a lot like, as a father, I feel like I feel like we're not heard enough. Uh, young fathers aren't heard enough like we should be. So, yeah, that's that's basically one thing we did so far. You have a little boy or a girl? I got I got a son. 
What's his name? Josiah. Josiah Lee. Hey, shout out to Josiah Lee. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ears perked up, I bet. Um, gotta laugh sometimes. Uh, do one, a uh, couple more questions, and then I'll certainly we'll go back to uh, uh, to uh, our others. Um, there's, there's a normal was never enough program. Are you familiar with this? Yes, ma'am. Tell me more about this. Uh, normal is never enough. Um, it's it's like a blog. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. We and he just. Uh, I just got to see. I still got to look at it uh, some more. But yeah, it's like a blog uh, with the young fathers and stuff like that. So I still have to do some more looking at that. Yes. Would you uh, expand on normal is enough? Uh, was never enough, Joel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Normal was never enough. Is a, a newer blog that. Uh, is a partnership between, I believe, First Steps Kent and K-Connect. But there are also quite a number of stakeholders involved um, in kind of getting this message out about early childhood childhood development. And uh, the the statistics and the issues with, you know, BIPOC communities uh, here in Grand Rapids and West Michigan. So I was asked to write, uh, the Delta Project was asked to write a guest blog post for this Normal Was Never Enough blog, and it was posted yesterday. Uh, people can find it at normalwasneveronough.org. Um, and there's a video of Cole kind of talking about this issue as well. And I think it's an attempt to really, how do we look at systems and systems change and trying to get upstream of issues that uh, we just, we seem to be so reactive. And sometimes it's gonna take a little bit longer to get to solutions that are really going to make a difference in our community. And I think that blog and the Delta Project is about doing this kind of work. Cool, Williams, what do you need from this community uh, to uh, touch other lives, such as uh, Dewan's? Wow. <laughs> what do it's I the need? Secret to do we success? have enough time for that, Shelly? I don't know if we got enough time. I'll make time. Man, listen, so I, I, one of the things I think is really important that I, I need is that, one, I need, I need us to start listening to the children that are involved in our communities. And I think once we listen to them, I think we need to make sure that there's a space created for them to be able to tell their stories, for them to be heard, and for there to be some productivity after their stories and their voices are told. Um, I think we have to recognize that children in our community have a voice and they are stakeholders and that they see the world in a way that some of us may not also always, always see it, which is really an amazing opportunity for us as a community to circle around the village, become the village that our children need. And I think the other part for us is just recognizing that, you know, there are a host of amazing nonprofit organizations like ourselves, the Delta Project, that are doing some really great work to service youth and um, and young people of color in this community. But I think in order for us to really thrive and do that well, we also, again, the, the question always comes back to making sure that we are receiving funding that supports our work, right? But also in addition to that, making sure that um, our stories get elevated. And I think that one of the things that we do really well at the Delta Project is making sure that we are telling authentic stories about young people and allowing them to be the steer, um, steering those stories. Because I think one of the biggest challenges that we've always had, Shelley, is that some people get to tell our stories, but we recognize that storytelling is really about making sure that the people that have those lived experiences get the opportunity to tell those stories. And I think for us, that's what we want for young dads. All right, Dewan, what do you leave us with? Your final comment, please. My final comment is uh, I just feel like, again, we just need to be heard. And, uh, yeah, that's my biggest thing, just young fathers need to be heard and 
they need to feel comfortable to, enough to actually, you know, tell their stories because, like, for the majority, I feel like young mothers are heard more than young fathers, so, and that's no, you know, disrespect to young mothers, I appreciate all of them, but I just feel like, yeah, young fathers need, need a word out more. Good. Glad that uh, uh, you are here and certainly uh, under the uh, tutelage of the gentleman next to you. Uh, appreciate you. All right, uh, career plans, what you want to be when you grow up? Uh, I want to be an uh, artist. I make music, so, yeah, that's my dream. Get your instrument and come on back in. <laughs> Here's your invitation. What do you leave us with, uh, Joel? Uh, I just want to, uh, I want the community to really lean in to kind of, what we're faced with and kind of what, what we're going through during these times. I mean, this is, this is a real opportunity to, it's a high leverage opportunity to make a difference by supporting the Delta Project, supporting narrative story change, and really listening to what kids in our community have to say. Good. Yay. Best website? TheDeltaProject.co. Our new website will launch in, uh, Later this week, actually. Good things for the 1st of July. Joel Van Kuyken, Cole Williams, Dewan Mansfield, Jr., you guys take care and thank you for this conversation when it comes to the Delta Project, uh, our By Leaps and Bounds segment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.